0: If you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, the scripture reading uh, we have for us this morning is in verses 1 through 8. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. At verse 1, in the, verse, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach And in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks, Bob. Would you pray with me? Father, Son and Spirit, we worship you this morning. We thank you so much for um, giving us the plan of salvation. We thank you, Jesus, for being the plan of salvation. Uh, Spirit of Living God, we recognize um, that the things we're going to talk about today are spiritually discerned. We need your help to understand your ways, O God. So I ask Holy Spirit, would you prepare our hearts? Prepare our eyes and our ears to hear and see you today. Help us to understand what you're telling us. We love you and we look forward to what you're going to do. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, good morning. Bethany with Unveiled Faces. This is great. Um, my, the Lord be with you. With you. Perfect. Great. Uh, my name is David Burnham and I'm the leader of the mission team here at Bethany. Bethany. Uh, Recently, we've been walking through a series on the disciple-making church, which Jeff brought us to the end of last week. We've heard about the why, the what, the who, the where, and the how, not in that order, of making disciples. But today, we're going to connect this idea of disciple-making with witness. To get started, I want to ask all of us a question. Do you remember a time in your life when you saw something that affected you? A time you saw and experienced something that changed you? Maybe it was the first time you flew in an airplane. Maybe it was your first day going to a new school. What about watching your future spouse walk down the aisle? Or maybe watching your future spouse grinning, standing there as, as you're walking down the aisle. What about watching a baby, one of your children, being born? Or on the other end of life, watching a loved one pass away? What about the day that you encountered the person of Jesus for the first time? For those of you that have a relationship with Jesus here, I want you to think about how you met him. How did you see and experience him? Maybe it was like at an event, a one-time sort of deal, like a Billy Graham crusade or a good news club, Uh, a time in Sunday school or youth group where you heard a message and like it connected with you and you like, that was it. And you made a profession of faith. Or maybe it was a gradual meeting of sorts, like you watched your parents or loved ones love God and love you, and they slowly told you the story of Christ. Or maybe it was kind of a mixture of the two. Think about it. Think about the times throughout your journey where the Lord has been, how he's surprised you, how he's walked with you in suffering, how he's delivered you, And how he is with you even now. You have those in your mind? You have seen and experienced God. I want you to keep this in mind as we move on. We'll come back to it towards the end. Now I want you to imagine yourself with me into the first century Israel. Imagine that you're part of a Jewish community that is oppressed by the Roman Empire. And actually, it isn't the first time you've been oppressed by an empire You've watched horrible things happen to your people. And you've grown up hearing that your God, Yahweh, will one day send a hero, a savior king, Messiah, who will rescue your people. And you're waiting. Then imagine one day a man named Jesus, a carpenter from Nazareth, shows up in town. And Jesus calls to you, come, follow me. Imagine following Jesus for three years. You you hear him teach authoritatively about this compelling thing called the kingdom of God. You see him heal people of various sicknesses and diseases, like he touches them or says something and they're totally healed. You see him deliver people from tormenting spirits, from the demonic. You watch him raise the dead. Who is this guy? And you were walking with him toward Jerusalem, where in a weekend, Jesus goes from a celebrated and hoped-for king to a convicted criminal, hated, mocked, and brutally executed by the government for crimes he didn't commit, and betrayed by a group of religious leaders that you trusted. You saw a movement die in a day. I mean, imagine with me, you've been awaiting not just your life, but for centuries, your family, your big family, for thousands of years, waiting for Messiah, and then you met him. Words can't describe what he was like, and how he treated you, he loved you, he challenged you, he convicted you, he was the epitome of grace to you, and then you saw Or you heard him, or you heard about him say on the cross, it is finished. And Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Can you imagine that? What a weekend. What a three-year stretch, and then it abruptly stops in darkness, confusion, deep sorrow, nothingness. But the story doesn't end there. Reports are circulating. He's alive. What? Then Jesus shows up with fresh but old scars on, alive, teleporting like a ghost into your midst, but not a ghost because you can touch him. He is totally different. He is totally alive. Can you imagine this? Jesus' very presence in the room, his smile, the look in his eyes, the peace, finished work. He is alive. Can you imagine it? This would change everything, and Jesus did change everything. And this is where we start the story today. I want you to keep this story in mind as well. So let's dive in. So as you heard Bob Reed, Um, the writer opens up with an introduction and and the start of his thesis for his whole work. So look at verse 1 through 3 again with me. In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he'd given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he'd chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering By many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So, the writer, who is Luke, is giving us the context here. A few things to note right off the bat. First, in verse 1, Luke says that his other account, which is the Gospel of Luke, dealt with what Jesus began to do and teach. Did you catch that? The Gospel of Luke tells us about what Jesus started to do and teach. Luke is continuing to tell the continuing story of Jesus to Theophilus in the book of Acts. What this means is the Gospels of Jesus aren't just the story of his life, his death, and his resurrection. They're the beginning of a continuing story. And spoiler alert, you and I are part of that continuing story. Secondly, Jesus gave many proofs of his life over 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Jesus showed up in the gospel accounts teaching the kingdom of God. So resurrected Jesus isn't changing his main thrust of his message. The kingdom of God is at hand. The thing that has changed is that the king came, he died, and he's now alive, and he's proving it. So imagine again with me, imagine these followers of Jesus, the hopes and fears of all the years had met on Jesus and he had died right in front of them but now he's standing there with them he's eating and drinking and laughing he asks his followers to touch him to get close to give him food and see that he is alive jesus is alive forevermore and they are seeing and touching and experiencing him but it gets better moving on from there we read while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, or promise of the Father, oops, I, I spoiled it, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So he gives two instructions, stay put and be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's our first point there. This word baptized typically has to do with immersing or submerging in water, However, the idea Jesus is communicating is that of immersing in or union with the Holy Spirit. He's actually referencing something that his cousin, John the Baptist, said in Matthew 3.11. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance sake. He who's coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So what what does this mean? We get to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit, but first, let's take a look at how his disciples respond. So continuing on in verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So again, imagine, put yourself in their shoes. Remember, they've been waiting for Messiah to come and to rescue them to make all things right, to destroy the enemy, right? Just look back at what John the Baptist is saying. Holy Spirit, fire, purification, and the power of God. Like the time in the judges when the Holy Spirit would come on the judge and the judge would deliver the people. Like Think about Gideon and Samson. And think of King David fighting glorious battles. Is this the time, Jesus? I mean, you conquered death, right? Like, what's going to stop you from conquering Rome? But in a typical Jesus-y response, he answers their question and changes their focus. Don't you just love it when he does that? With his last words, actually. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Notice how Jesus doesn't dismiss the content of the question, but he reminds them of their place. The Father has all power and authority. He sets up kingdoms and seasons and tears them down as he pleases. He sets the times. God is truly the king of the universe. Bethany Church, the times and the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority That's not for his disciples. That's not for us to know. We can guess. We can look for clues. We are given signs. And John in Revelation even informs us that we are blessed in our study and keeping of his words. But in the end, it's not our place to know the times and seasons for the restoration of Israel or even the planet. That's hard, especially for some of us. (laughs) But Jesus, in the same sentence, does give his disciples, which is us, a place and a role, and Jesus says it right here in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you upon you. That is our next point. should be coming up on this group. There it is. And this is not just our next point. This is like the connection point for us this morning. Okay, Bethany, this is it. This is where we need to talk about the Holy Spirit and witness. Holy Spirit and witness. So how does Jesus talk about the Holy Spirit? Jesus had talked about the Holy Spirit... With his disciples. So, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to read some sections from John 14 and 16. And as I read, I want you to listen for how Jesus describes the person of the Holy Spirit and what he's going to do, okay? Who he is and what he's going to do. First from John 14 And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Moving on to verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. John 16, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And the last passage is a little bit longer, but from 12, uh, 16, verses 12 and 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Are you starting to get a little bit of a picture of this Holy Spirit person? Helper, spirit of truth. He's called a comforter in some translations. Of note, Jesus says that it's better that Jesus leaves so that the spirit would come. That's better in Jesus' mind. How do you feel about that? How many of us just like, well, if we could just see Jesus, Jesus would disagree with you? He says, it's better that I go. Because you need to have the Spirit. You just got to think about that. So back to our passage, verse 8. Jesus adds empowerment to the list of things that the Holy Spirit will give us. You will receive power. This word power has to do with ability or miracle or an extension of a being with authoritative power. I wonder what being that is. But power for what? And that brings us to the last key concept of witness. You will be my witnesses. That's the next point. So what is a witness? A witness is somebody who sees something and who testifies. They talk about it. A witness in a court case tells what they've seen and experienced, and they tell it as closely as possible to what they saw, right? This is an identity word. A witness testifies or tells what they've seen and experienced. Now, remember the, the question I asked at the beginning of this service about how you met Jesus. The disciples were to tell of what they saw and experienced about Jesus and his kingdom. We also are disciples of Jesus, and we tell about what we have seen and experienced about Jesus and his kingdom. A disciple, Disciples of Jesus are witnesses of Jesus. As disciples, we bear witness in two categories. The first one, and it's going to come up, there it is, right there. The truths of God or knowledge. And the second, we witness about what we've seen and experienced. That's like the relationship that we have with Jesus. We get really into the truths of God, like a Bible study, a Sunday sermon like this right here, you know, theology textbooks, seminary, curriculum studies, um, that's also the part we get nervous about, too. Like, if we can give a good answer when we talk about God with someone, right? Um, but just as important as the knowledge is the other half, what we have seen and experienced about God, our relationship with Jesus. That is our testimony, right? Right? What has Jesus done in your life? John tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, our story, how we have seen and experienced Jesus. We, like the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4, say, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? We are like Philip in John 1, who told a reluctant and skeptical Nathanael to just come and see and meet Jesus. As we look at verse 4 and verse 8 of chapter 1, did you catch the order of operations that are there? The order of operations is really, really critical. It's going to come up on the screen here. The first step is to wait. They're to stay in Jerusalem. They're supposed to wait. The next step is that the Holy Spirit will come upon them, they'll be baptized. They're going to receive power, and then they will be witnesses. So let's break this down a little bit. So we wait. We can't muster the Spirit. We have to wait for Him to move, and we expect Him to move. The Spirit has to come upon you and into you. That would be baptism. You have to receive the Holy Spirit to be an empowered witness. You can't give what you haven't received, If you haven't been transformed into a new creation by the Holy Spirit, then you can't bear witness to what he has done for you, right? To believe in God, to trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, actually to read the Bible, you need the Holy Spirit. To share your testimony, to share the story of Jesus, the gospel, to talk to your neighbor, to pray with your kids To help anyone take a step closer to Jesus like what we've been talking about, we need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Another way to say the order of operations is we are drawn by the Spirit, we are regenerated by the Spirit, we are empowered by the Spirit, and we witness with the Spirit. Read the rest of the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Yes, the book of Acts could be called that. He is all over the place, moving, partnering, granting power to heal, granting salvation, boldness to speak, helping people make decisions. It's wild. He's like in every chapter. Bethany Church, our world is breaking apart. It's ripping at the seams. We are witnesses to it, right? We see it. Every day it gets worse. And the world, the people that you rub shoulders with every day, they don't need us to know the times and the seasons that the Father has set by his own authority. What the world needs, according to Jesus, right here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, is for his disciples, which are you and me, to be changed by the Holy Spirit and empowered as his witnesses, to go and bear witness to who Jesus is and what he has done. Jesus isn't commanding here. Jack, a few weeks ago, uh, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus gives a command. This passage, he's not commanding. He's just describing what we are. You're witnesses, Bethany. You know Jesus? You're witnesses. You've seen him. (laughs) And we can't do that. We can't bear witness unless we've been empowered by Unified with, dare I say, baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you know Jesus, if you've been born again, if you've been transformed into a new creation, then you are a Holy Spirit baptized witness empowered to talk about what you've seen and experienced about Jesus, who he is, and what he's done for you. So the question then this morning is do you know God? Have you been changed? You, have you been rescued by Jesus? Has he rescued you? Has he, yeah, yeah, amen, yeah. Has he changed you? And if you haven't, if you have, then great. Let's, let's keep doing it. And if you haven't, there's good news. Because John writes at the end of the book of Revelation 22, 7, it's going to come up, the spirit and the bride, that's us, they say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who's thirsty Come, let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. Do you hear the witness? The Spirit and the bride, that's you, church. The invitation is open. Come and see. Meet Jesus. You can totally trust him. If you don't know him, you can totally trust him. We've got to finish up by talking about Jesus. He's the better spirit-filled guy. Perhaps as importantly as what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, Jesus modeled for us the type of relationship that we get to have with the person of the Holy Spirit. Listen from Luke's other account. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, With you, I am well pleased. Moving on to Luke 4. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. Moving on to 4.14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. Skipping down to verse 17. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim. Do you see the pattern, Bethany? Jesus, both fully God and fully human, was giving and has given us what he received, the Holy Spirit we can take encouragement that Jesus isn't asking us to do something that he didn't do himself. Absolutely, he is the better spirit-filled man than we are, for sure. But Acts 1:8 is about invitation and description of who we are and what he will do through us. Okay, so what do we do with this? What's our response? And our response is going to be twofold today. The first thing we're going to do is exactly what Jesus said. We're going to wait expectantly for the Holy Spirit in prayer. So would you pray with me? So I'd ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, take a few deep breaths and relax. You can rest in him. He has bought you with his own blood. You can trust him. Holy Spirit, in Ephesians, um, Paul talked about that we can grieve you. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God for whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 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 And so I want to ask you, Holy Spirit, right now that if we have grieved you, um, would you convict us of how we've sinned against you? And if the Holy Spirit has placed something in your heart, there's good news. You can confess and you can repent. You can ask for forgiveness. So I give you a chance to do that now. Holy Spirit, In Romans 5, Paul says, And hope doesn't disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by you, Holy Spirit, whom he's given us. So I would ask right now that you would do that, Holy Spirit, would you pour out the love of the Father into our hearts? And would you help us to receive it, Spirit, because we we need your help to receive How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we would be called the children of God, and that is what you are, Spirit of Living God. We also know um, from Hebrews and from, from Romans that you, Holy Spirit, bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so I ask right now that you, Holy Spirit, would bear witness with us in our hearts that we are children. Maybe there's people that are having a hard time believing that or that don't believe it or they're maybe just got a little bit of faith and they're just hanging on, they're like, I wanna believe it, would you do that? Would you like bear witness that you are my child, I love you, I'm pleased with you. I bought you, you're mine. Nothing can separate you from my love because I died on the cross for you and I rose again for you. Spirit, I would ask right now, is there anything else you want to tell these people in their hearts? Would you do that? Help them to hear you. Help them to receive you. Father, I am aware that there may be people here that don't know you that they may be hearing this and they, maybe they don't understand it or maybe they're starting to understand it because, Spirit, you are opening their eyes and their hearts to hear. What I ask, if there are those here that don't know you, would you regenerate them, Spirit, right now? Would you open their eyes to see, open their ears to hear, open their heart to receive the good news that you, Jesus, have paid for them? <laughs> And you're alive. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Spirit of Jesus. The last thing I want to ask, Holy Spirit, you give gifts (laughs) to us as you you will, as you desire. And so I ask, um, well, I ask before the gifts thing, I want to ask that for those that have been regenerated, if they have been regenerated, maybe it's like a second, I don't know, how, however that works, would you produce fruit in them today? And would you help them to see like, oh, I'm, there's love and there's patience that I didn't have before, that must be because I have the Spirit, He's producing fruit, so would you do that for them today? The second thing I'd ask is that you would give gifts You have been working. You've been working this whole morning. You've been working all night. You've been working for ages. You've been working since the beginning, hovering over the waters, (laughs) waiting to bring life and flourishing. And so um, I ask that you continue to do that, and I pray that you would open up the eyes of people that maybe have been here for a long time and they don't know what their gifts are. Would you either show them what their gifts are or give them gifts? And and because you're so generous, Jesus, would you just give gifts? We need spirit, we need your expressions to to do what we're gonna do. Like the world isn't getting any better and this is just getting harder, and we're gonna start, we're gonna have to walk on a substance we have no business walking on, and we need your help. So would you please equip us for the work ahead? whatever those gifts would be? Would you bring people into this church that have different gifts because we need them all? Give us boldness. Give us words to witness. Thank you. Um, thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I know we've gone long. We're gonna um, do one more thing to respond. Worship team, you can come on up. Um, we're gonna respond the second way. Um, and I think it's going to come up on the screen, verse 8, one more time. It says, you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, and then look at the last part, in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, to the end of the earth. So we're going to have one of our fellow witnesses come up and bear witness about what he does. So Tony, come on up, buddy.
2: Well, first you should know that I was feverishly writing notes while you were giving your message. Oh, great! So I guess <laughs> we're going so. I've to got a it. whole other sermon oh, here. Oh, awesome! Okay, all right. Okay.
1: <laughs> you still want me to ask the first question, or go for it? Okay. So, Tony. So this is uh, Tony Freitas. He's married to Holly. Um, got to give him some airtime because you got some airtime, Holly. Um, how, Tony? How would you describe what you do with Reach Global?
2: Well, first, before I do that, I should explain. Um, Holly's going to India, and I'm not. And People probably wonder, why is it that she's going and you're not? We are gifted in different ways. And our giftings um, are being very well utilized by the organization that we work with, which is Reach Global, the Evangelical Free Church's yes. mission. amen to
1: that, yeah.
2: And so we go different places, and a lot of times you'll hear, Holly's going to India, and I'm going to Africa, or things like that. And it's a good use of you know, our resources, um, so she could go do what she's doing and use the gifts that God's given her, and it's also that I can go and do what God's gifted me in doing. And so with that, um, I serve on the global equipping team at uh, Evangelical Free Church's mission, Reach Global, and um, I develop, uh, direct, teach, uh, do a lot of things uh, for community development. It's a strategy we call community health evangelism, and it's helping communities to identify the resources that they have within their communities that they live, and then look for the locally available resources to solve those problems, rather than waiting for somebody from the outside to come in and take care of those problems. And I do it by working through the church, because in most places, churches are seen as a group of people who care only about themselves and don't care about the community. And when the church knows how to reach out to the community and the community can see that the church cares about them, it opens up the doors to, to preach the gospel and teach the gospel to people who otherwise would not even want to listen. And by doing that, we have seen churches planted and churches growing and, and people coming to Christ and communities coming to Christ. And so through that, we also do, um, I do pastoral training with uh, theological training and, and uh, community development training. By vocational ministry training, helping pastors to learn how to start a business so that they can support themselves. Because most places that we work, pastors can't support themselves, and the churches can't support the pastor. And so helping them to learn how to start a business where they can support themselves. Now, it sounds like a lot. It's a lot of different things that I just said. Um, But I get help. I train churches in America to work alongside me. Train them how to use and teach the resources that we teach the communities, and then they come along with me to be able to teach them to communities around the world, opening up doors for them to have an experience in missions that they never would have had in a way that they never would have seen in Hmm. learning new things and new ways to do missions.
1: Dude, that's wonderful. If you ever get a chance to talk to this guy, he'll, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, he's got a lot to say. Um, so I'm sorry, I do. We don't too know, much. Too much, yeah, for the, right now. How many more minutes? Um, so, <laughs> so we spent time this morning talking about um, being disciples, being witnesses, and that uh, the ways that we bear witness, you know, we're, you know knowledge and in a relationship. Um, how are you able to bear witness about Jesus in your work?
2: Well, um That's another hour-long answer. Um, (laughs) You know, I mean, bearing witness comes in a lot of forms. And um, if I go back to thinking about when we went to the mission field, I was a contractor. I had a business. I loved what I did, and God called us to go to the mission field. And there was a process that took place to do that. One of it was I took a team out to Africa to do a construction project. And during that construction project, the people that we were doing the work for they asked us all to come over for dinner one night. And so they they put together this really wonderful meal and we showed up and I saw their home and their home was, all I can describe it as is if you were to go to a storage locker place and you were to look at the units, they were set up like that. And the only thing to keeping them from the elements outside were a little curtain to keep people out or just to give a little bit of privacy. And then they had one other curtain halfway between the front and the back of their, their home, um, and that divided the bedrooms from the rest of the house. And during that time, um, I was broken. I'm watching these people serving us this wonderful meal, knowing it was, they're, they're making a huge sacrifice. And at some point, I had to leave, and I walked out. And I was, I was really, really struggling, and the missionary that I was with came out with me, and he says, Tony, what's going on? He says, you know, these people have so little and we have so much. And he said, Tony, that's because your worldview is totally different than their worldview. You're looking at everything you have in America thinking they should have it here. And they're looking at everything they have and looking at the wonderful things that they were able to, to, to earn themselves, the things that they had built. The home that you see is desired by most people in the community. They would love to be in a position that these people are in. And so you're seeing it from a different worldview, so you need to change your worldview. And I said, wow, hmm. that was really, really interesting. And so I left there, and by the time I got home, I, 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 was, I had thought about it and prayed about it and told Holly, I said, you know, when I got home, I said, that was a really amazing trip. Um, I think that we need to change our lives so we could be more available to missions. Hmm. And so we sold our house and bought a house that was more affordable. And we went from living to work, no, working to live to living, no. Anyway, I think yeah, that's yeah.
1: We weren't working to live. We were we were way
2: outside of our (laughs) abilities. And so it was really taking us to a point where we were more available. And and God expounded on that and took us into a lot of different directions. And we ended up going to the mission field and living in Africa. I gave my business to one of my workers, a very wonderful man who um, took it and ran with it for two years, called me in two years after he uh, rented our house and had my trailer and had all my tools and all the things that he, he needed to keep the business going. He called me and said, hey Tony, I'm, I'm not gonna be able to rent the house anymore and I have to give up the business. And I said, what's going on? He says, we're going to the mission field. <laughs> I said, what? He says, yeah. Uh, we're heading off to South America. And so bearing witness doesn't oh. always come in a way that you think it's going right. to come. Yeah. I did not know that he was watching what we were doing, right. and that was impacting his life. And so we were bearing witness without even knowing we were bearing witness. And he is still, the guy's got to be 85 years old, and they're still working in South America.
1: He witnessed you. He watched your process. And I just love that story. That's so good. Do you hear the witness? Yeah? See? I saw. I heard. I touched. I tasted. This changed me. I watched a person. Dude, I don't know. Uh, What uh, can I ask the next question? Do you have something you want to say? No, you can ask the next question. Um, So I'll try to keep
2: the answer short. Okay.
1: Uh, When you think about um, bearing witness in our cultural context, right, Um, Bethany Church, what are the ways that we as church people can bear witness to Jesus in our context?
2: Well, first of all, in order to bear witness, for me to be able to go out to the mission field and to do the things that I do and working with the people that I work with, uh, we've worked with the Maasai for many years. We work with the South Sudanese. I work all over the world now with global equipping um, and training up pastors and leaders to do what I explained earlier. But for me to do that, I had to first realize that the Holy Spirit is in me and the Holy Spirit can help me do the work that God's called me to do. And if I don't accept that and I don't realize that, I'm not going to be able to do anything that's going to effectively help God's work anywhere in the world. Hmm. And so first, I would say, yes, accept the fact that as a believer, the Holy Spirit dwells inside you. Let the Holy Spirit do the work that he's going to be doing, wherever that might be. And it might be a little bit uncomfortable, Hmm. but go if he tells you to go. I, I didn't want to go to Africa. I wanted to go you know, someplace like Hawaii. I don't know. Some place that was comfortable. I didn't want to go to Africa, but he called us to go to Africa. And so I did. But listen to the Holy Spirit's prompting. Use your gifts. A lot of times we overlook the fact that we have things that we are talented in that God can use. I was a contractor. He wanted to use my gifts to better people in other places, to better their lives, and to bring people to Christ. And, he, and he's been using that. Since 2006. And listen. Listen for a person's need. Don't just assume that you can solve their problem and that you know what their problem is. We do that everywhere that we go. We talk to the people that we're working in, the communities that we're working in, and we listen. And we don't react. We listen. And you eventually will hear what the real need is, and then you help them discover a way to solve this solution or come up with a solution to solve whatever that need might be and so that's what we do Hmm. i always say i go into communities everywhere i go in the world i go into the community i look at myself as a village idiot i don't know anything i don't know anything i need to learn from you whether it's here whether it's my neighbor whether it's in africa whether it's in uh, california whether it's in seattle it doesn't make any difference i don't know the lives of everybody I run into. So I have to learn. So the only way to do that is don't assume that I know.
1: Ooh, I like that. Can you say that?
2: Which part, the village idiot?
1: No, the last part, most importantly.
2: Yes, and most importantly, come and see. David said that earlier, come and see. Come and see what God is doing in other parts of the world. Come with us, we train. Churches, I've been training churches for many years in how to use the strategy that we teach to these communities in all different parts of the world. Come and see, come with us, come out to the many places we're going to.
1: So I was going to ask that question, how can we partner with you? So that's a way you can partner. He says, come and see, come with. We come can. with us. Yeah.
2: See the world in a different way. See missions in a way that you've never seen them before. Churches that have gone, people who have gone with us, they come back saying, I that's a totally different way of doing missions that I never thought I could be a part of. And many of them come back, and they want to go back, and they want to learn more, and they want to see the people, the friends that they've made in these communities. Hmm. It's contagious. Yeah. It really is contagious. Totally.
1: So if you're interested in this, Bethany, you can talk to Tony. Also, um, the mission team, there is currently four of us. Can you stand up? Anna, Vicki, Laverne. Is Laverne? Oh, she's probably not standing. She's probably crawling around. Um, Laverne Lind and actually this guy. So we're we're part of the team. So if you're curious, if you're interested, if you are thinking about this stuff, come and talk to us. Come and talk to him. You know. So I think that's it.
2: You can also talk to Holly.
1: You can talk to Holly too. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sorry. Don't want to leave you out of there. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Thank you so much. Okay. You guys ready? Oh. Well. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. All right.